1: You're listening to Outside the Box with Ben Kaminos here on WHBY. Outside the Box is brought to you by Hooper Law Office, providing a pathway to your legacy. If you weren't listening to the show yesterday, download that WHBY app powered by Christensen Heating and Air Conditioning. But if you weren't listening yesterday... We started off, my whole entire first segment was dedicated to a situation in Bryan, Ohio, wherein a uh, pastor, an evangelical pastor, was being bothered by the law, by the government, because he had the audacity, the nerve, to house homeless people uh, during one of the coldest stretches of the entire year, and in recent memory. Um... Which is just, uh, I, I laid my thoughts out yesterday. We're not going to dive into them in any kind of extensive way today. If you listen to the show regularly, I'm sure you can assume I thought that was a garbage move. Uh, if the government's not going to take care of homeless people, then get the heck out of the way of people that are trying to do something. A second story made its way to me today that we're going to address just very briefly here. In Houston, there is a nonprofit group. Uh, as per an article in the Houston Chronicle called Food Not Bombs. You'll never guess what it's in relation to. And in this group, Food Not Bombs, uh, uh, a nonprofit, they essentially put together a food line on the sidewalk. They were serving hot meals to anybody that wanted one Uh, They served north of 500 people when it was all said and done. No money was acquired. They did it all out of the kindness out of, of their heart. It was just a nice thing to do. Of course... The government and law enforcement got in the way a second time, shut them down, and the person who hosted that event is now also being tried in court. I don't understand. If the government's not going to do anything about it, that's fine. Then get out of the way of the people who do it then. You guys know I'm not some kind of anti-government. Uh, crazy person here, but I also do know when a government is behaving in ways that don't benefit the American people, I'm prepared to call them out immediately. This is now a second instance in 24 hours that I have come across that this is happening. This one has good news, though. This isn't as frustrating as yesterday's, which is always nice for me to find. This story is a couple weeks old, possibly even a couple months old at this point. We're at the point where trials are getting ready to get started to determine whether or not the person was found guilty. The trial should have already started actually. Do you know why it hasn't started? Well, that is because people are refusing to take part in the juror, as a juror. When they hear the story, they will just outright say this is absolutely ridiculous that this is even a case. How can you expect us to rule on this? What was the guy doing helping the homeless and you expect us to find him guilty of something? There's absolutely no way that I can look at this and behave, and, and, and look at this in some kind of impartial way. The fact that this is breaking some kind of law is laughable. Which, first of all, I respect the heck out of those people. Good for them for saying that. And it has subsequently delayed the trial from even starting, which I think is fantastic news. Now. At the risk of sounding like Big Brother here, I can tell what states and what cities people are downloading the apps in. I can't tell or downloading my show and I can't tell how many people it is. I just know that it is happening in certain cities and states. And I do have a contingency of people that listen to the program that are from the Houston area. And I appreciate you guys for listening. Here's what I do know, though. As this goes on, because the case isn't going anywhere, right? Like, this guy is still on the hook. Eventually, they're going to find a jury of 12 people, 12 heartless people, who uh, are going to look at this impartially. So, anyone in Houston who might be listening to me right now, hear me loud and clear. Just lie. All right? just just lie about what it is that you're going to do on the jury pretend like you're going to go into it impartially then never consider any of the evidence to the contrary do your job to convince the other 11 jurors that nothing nefarious is going on here and then become a real hero the fact that it's delayed is great but this person's still on the hook here wondering whether or not he's going to have some massive fine or potentially even jail time for trying to do what our government whether it's controlled by Republicans or Democrats doesn't seem to find a capacity to do. Just lie, just lie about it. Just, just go to the jury selection pool and be like, oh yeah, homeless people. You know, you gotta, you gotta follow the rules, and then once you get there, do the right thing. That's all I'm gonna say about it. But like, you know, just use some common sense here, okay? I we're all on the same page on this one. All right, no one's here is mad about this. This isn't why law enforcement has a job. We all know this, so just make it up. Just make it up. It is remarkable, though, how much the government's willing to get in our own way sometimes. it uh, It's very jarring to me. I'm not a fan. Not a fan of these kind of laws. I don't understand what the benefit could possibly be, what the initial law could be in place for to prevent from happening. I don't understand any of that. All right. I digress, though. On to the story at hand. We're starting with school choice here, guys. Uh, Real quick Reader's Digest version. You're listening to a public school kid. I went to college with private school kids. They very clearly outclassed me initially. I have an ability to learn, so as long as I know that I'm doing something incorrectly, I can adjust the course. Not everybody has those, those capabilities. and I'm not judging anyone who isn't necessarily the best student or best test taker or anything like that. That's not what this is about. But I am here to say, before I give you any of the stats or numbers that are provided by this report, that I am a believer that private schools outperform uh, public schools. That's why they cost so much money to attend. The goal shouldn't be to facilitate public dollars going to those private institutions. It should be pumping public dollars into public institutions to try and close that difference as much as possible. Regular listeners of the show will know public schools when I was in, in high school beats the five paragraph essay into your head. Go read an article of mine, even, let alone any article on WHBY, WBAY, any local news. You'll see a five-paragraph format is not followed within within news. So essentially, you are learning a style of writing that is completely irrelevant for college, let alone real life. I'll be the first one to acknowledge that. Public school needs to make changes, and private schools do outperform them. That was never up for debate, as far as I'm concerned, at least with Classic private schools. There's a bunch of charters popping up pretending to be pri- like the exact same caliber as private schools. It's a little more hit or miss than it used to be, and I'll be the first one to admit that. But as a rule, I've never been here saying private schools don't outperform public schools. My belief has been we do not need to give tax subsidies to people that can already afford to send their children to private schools. That is where I draw the line in this scenario. Now, Wisconsin Institute of Law and Liberty, uh, very famously right wing. They will tell you they're nonpartisan, much like plenty of other nonpartisan groups will tell you they're nonpartisan and very clearly favor Democrats. I think that's just a line people use to to hide behind some cover. I see what I see. This show, while I say I give nobody cover, I acknowledge my biases at the forefront. I let you guys know this is how I feel about things. This is the lens through which I look at these things. There's no hiding the bias. What I do is I welcome all walks of life, all opinions on this show, and we can have a conversation. At no point do I position myself as an arbiter of of moderation and uh, centrist beliefs. That's never been the case on this program. But at least I wear what it is that I think on my sleeve. Other groups pretending as though they are not biased and they're performing in good faith only to very clearly favor one side of political ideology. I think that needs to get called out a little more often than it does. So with that, Wisconsin Institute of Law and Liberty is very obviously right wing. Right wingers oftentimes do favor school choice, not saying that their right wing is a negative. I'm just saying that to lay out that this report is obviously going to be skewed that way much like other nonprofits quote fingers or uh, nonpartisan uh, groups favor democratic and and, and uh, public school choices all right so now that we have that disclaimer out of the way Based on the numbers provided by the apples to apples report, which is available, I can e- if anyone is interested in looking at the entire report, it's only 16 pages long. It's or no, sorry, 20 pages long. It's very dense. There's a lot of charts and graphs that I'm not going to be able to break down for you in any kind of meaningful way over the radio. We're going to be just looking at overarching themes and what to look at uh, on the gr- grander scale here. If you're interested in looking at the whole thing, shoot me a text or an email at any point uh, between now and like 2 p.m. And I'll uh, I'll send you over the link if you want to give this any type of in-depth look compared to what I am laying out there. I'm not misrepresenting any of the information, though, is my point. Um, the key findings as per the executive summary of the report is that uh, you can go down the list, whether it's Milwaukee, we're looking Racine County, you're looking at charter schools, you're looking at effective use of taxpayer funds. According to this report, um, uh, private and charter schools are outperforming public schools. Now, I can find you reports that say the opposite of that. So you obviously are going to have to do your due diligence to get to the bottom of this. But here's the issue. This is why I started this to- this topic with this. Like, for instance, uh, I'll just pick the first one here. Proficiency rates in private schools were about 8.6 higher, 8.6% higher in English and language arts and 7% higher in math on average than proficiency rates in traditional public schools in Milwaukee. Now, as I started off the conversation with... That was never up for debate whether or not that was happening. Don't get me wrong. We did a segment about two or three months ago showing that charter schools were actually underperforming nationwide on a public school basis or against public schools in regards to proficiency in reading, math, and English. Whether or not you believe that or not, that is on you. These findings are to the opposite. My statement has been, you cannot find me a state, city, or country that does not say that this is a massive transfer of wealth to people that can already afford to do these things. The lowest percentage, the lowest, meaning it only goes higher from here, the lowest percentage in a state that I have found of people who were already going to private school receiving funds from school choice was 75%. We did a segment, it was either at the beginning of this month or the end of December, where... We did a deep dive of Sweden's school choice program, and one of the main takeaways was they did not want to eliminate the choice aspect. They felt as though students actually having the choice of where it was that they could go was a good thing, it was a beneficial thing, leading to an overall increased performance rate. What wasn't, uh, what they didn't want to hang on to was the fact that overwhelmingly it was benefiting one class of people. It was very clearly skewed in one direction. This report deals with none of that. All it does is say private schools are outperforming public schools, which again, if I were paying $10,000 a year as opposed to my taxes covering the school, I would sure as heck hope that my child were outperforming people in public schools. This is supposed to be a nice-to-have for people that can afford to do so. I take nothing away from people that want to put their children in the best position to succeed using the money it is that they earned. Outside of that, they do not need my money to improve their situation. Very clearly, they already have advantages. They already have an ability to, find, to network, to find those career opportunities that maybe public school students don't already have. This report, to me, does not do the job that I believe Wisconsin Institute of Law and Liberty thinks that it's doing. To me, it only highlights the point further that we should be increasing the per capita spending of students that go to public schools to try and duplicate the performance rate that is going on in these private schools. Because spoiler warnings, guys, if we increase the attendance of all of these schools, if we increase the number of private schools, eventually... There's going to be an average again, right? There's going to be the good private schools and the bad private schools. That's ultimately where it's headed here. And school's just going to become a a for-profit thing entirely, and then what you've done is you've created a caste system. It's because your parents were poor that you're going to go to the school that does not prepare you for life as well as the rich school does. You're then going to enter the workforce in a position that is weaker than those who were able to afford the nicer school going forward, and the system is going to perpetuate. There very clearly are downsides to this process. And again, Arizona is the state with the lowest percentage of people who were already attending private school, taking advantage of private school vouchers, and it was 75%. I've seen it go as high as 92% of the students benefiting were already going to private schools. So presenting this as some type of means for people in public school to gain a leg up in the name of tax dollars, that is just disingenuous. It is provably and demonstrably false. This entire report, this is 20 page of reporting with plenty of numbers, plenty of data, plenty of information to look at. None of it is actually addressing the key concern that so many people have about this about this program. And that is what is it that we are doing to benefit people? that are born into a situation that is not as financially stable as wealthier children. The kids have nothing to do with any of this. They shouldn't be held accountable for anything. They shouldn't be punished for the situation they're born into. That is not what I'm advocating for. But what we are being told as the state of Wisconsin is yet just another form of trickle-down dressed up in a way that makes it seem like, ah, we're giving you your freedoms. You got your freedoms now that you're with us. Please laughable as far as i'm concerned again it's called at the apples to apples 2024 guide i'd highly recommend giving it a look if you disagree with my assessment of what it, of the information that's provided in here i would love to hear what you have to say 920 281 or if you agree Nine two zero two eight one eleven fifty. I am not, even though I am public schools, I'm a proud public school educated person. I'm not here. I won't blindly stump for it, but I'm also not hating on public school either. But my point is, if there's a better way to do things, much like Sweden said, they love the choice element of what school choice means. Their frustration is exactly what I'm saying to you, is that the choice does not extend to everybody. If it extends to everybody, let's talk about this. If it's only going to be for your friends that could already afford to pay for your children to go to school, well, you're going to have an issue with me then because I call it how I see it and I know exactly what I'm looking at here. So, 920-281-1150, Settlers Best Credit Union talking text lines are wide open if you want to jump in on it. If not, we're going to be switching gears here. UW-Whitewater, Swastika showing up on the building here. Absolutely no place for that anywhere in society. We're going to be getting a little bit of reaction from the people that saw it, and I'm going to be giving my two cents here. It's stuff like this that sets back the anti-war movement, and I don't believe that it was good-faith actors that were doing this. We're going to be jumping into plenty of details here right on the other side of the break. You're listening to Outside the Box with Ben Kamenos here on WHBY. Jane hopped on the uh, WHBY app to shoot me an email. Anybody else who wants to do that, just download that WHBY app. There's a big blue email Ben Comino's button right on the outside the box page. goes directly to my email as opposed to sending it through the uh, generic WHBY uh, email address that everybody sees. You can send me personal messages. Unless, of course, you're trying to embarrass me, in which case you're going to want to send it through the HBY email address. Um... She says money does not equate to a good education. Some of the highest spending per pupil school districts have the worst outcomes. I think both Madison and Milwaukee spend a lot of money per pupil and their outcomes are not great. Uh, So on and so forth. What is their graduation rate? If you don't want taxpayer money spent on poor kids going to private schools, then I assume you're not in favor of paying off student loans for people who made the choice to go to college. Jane, I, I think there's a fa- some fallacy in your logic here. I think you might have misheard what it was that I was saying. It's not that I am against poor people getting access to to school choice credits to allow them to be able to attend a more expensive school. My claim is that's not what's happening. My claim is the best case scenario on record. Is in a state where three out of four families receiving the voucher were already making more than enough money to do so. You're talking to a guy who chose to go to a private college. What school choice would be, would be like if there were student loan repayments, but only for the people that went to the colleges, like the one I went to. I talk about it all the time. I went to Rich People College. The only reason I was there is I got a killer score on my SAT, my GAP. My GPA was high and I did a ton of extracurriculars. I didn't get there because I could afford the uh, entire tuition there. Most of my classmates were not there with any type of scholarship or financial aid. And what's cute is when I was going, the tuition was $38,000 and that was sky high back in 2006. If you want to go to that same school, it's now $70,000 per semester to go there, you tell me what kind of four-year degree is going to justify a two hundred eighty thousand dollar tab for college? This is how laughably out of control it's gotten to. But to your point, Jane, that is—if—if if, based on your description, that is who would be getting their school loans paid off, or the people who decided to go to an obscenely expensive school as opposed to a community college or state school that was offering uh, essentially the same style classes for much less. I would argue. That plan would get no support by the American people, not the people who want to see student debt paid off. Obviously not the people who don't want to see student debt paid off. So essentially, you're advocating for exactly the point that I am trying to make here. When a plan that is allegedly devised to benefit the underprivileged ultimately goes to the wealthy, there's an issue. It's the same issue with the tax codes. They put these loopholes in here and pretend like uh, Billy, Sue, and Tom making 160k a year are going to be able to take advantage of these loopholes. I'm sure they can, and they'll save fourteen hundred dollars, which is not nothing to them. But then the billionaires come by, save hundreds of millions of dollars using the same loophole, and it's like you know, I don't know that this is the reason this was supposed to get used this way. That is what I am describing to you here, Jay, and if it truly were a plan devised to get people to that grew up the way that I did into private schools, so they then, when they're 18, have some kind of rock star education that they can then build off of, sign me up. I've just not fallen for this. I know exactly what I'm looking at. And the way you're describing it is maybe it's how conservatives paint it for you, That's not the reality. It's never been the reality. We have done extensive coverage on this show, examining school choice programs all over the country and all over the world. And I have never seen it done in a way that explicitly benefits poor people. It always is a wealth transfer to the wealthiest among us every single time. I do appreciate the message, though. We are switching gears here. Back to Whitewater. I started off in the 830 hour talking about this here. If if Whitewater sounds familiar to you, we did a segment about them about two weeks ago. They're the ones where a ton of uh, by a ton. I mean, like a thousand uh, immigrants ended up getting bust uh, town of about 15000 people, so on and so forth. They had a swastika shown up big and bold on their building, which is absolutely disgusting. It's been reported on extensively. A number of politicians have come out to condemn what they saw there, and I think that was very necessary. Uh, there is not one iota of space for acting that way. And and I realize this is a charged conversation, and we are going to dabble back and forth with the realities of the situation here. That is for sure. But I, I, it, I want to start and finish with... There is not one piece of what happened that is funny, that is acceptable. If you feel like you were doing that in the name of being pro-Palestinian, just stop. You're not helping. You are only hurting the cause that it is that you allegedly claim to support. There is zero scenario where what happened is okay. Let me unequivocally say that. Zero scenario where what happened is okay. I'm glad we have politicians in this state that don't have to dance around when people are chanting Jews will not replace us and they want to say there's been good people on both sides. We're not tap dancing around that. It is straight condemnation for the Nazi paraphernalia and propaganda that was shown up on that wall. Unfortunately, what is happening is being used to bludgeon college students again in the name of stopping protests about the war. And that, to me, is where I start to get frustrated. This isn't the first time. Allegedly, there's no evidence of it yet, but uh, reports, according to a CBS 58 report, are saying that there is a group of people that have been doing this kind of thing at a number of campuses. It is not specific to Whitewater. It was not necessarily specific to a group of students that go there. This is a group of people traveling the country spreading hate the only way that they know how. And it's absolutely disgusting. But what I will not abide by is people then using this story to bludgeon anybody who speaks out against what it is going on between Israel and Palestine right now. I can give you another example. It's been going very viral uh, over the course of the last uh, 24 hours or so. There is a group online called Stop Zionist Hate. Now, they call themselves that. That is a cover. They are an incredibly anti-Semitic group that spread nefarious and deceitful information about Jewish people that is absolutely disgusting. Case in point, Elon Musk and Ben Shapiro went down to Auschwitz two days ago, uh, took a tour of it. I believe Elon Musk is trying to do so for the cover of the overwhelmingly anti-Semitic stuff that he both said himself and reposted in the name of other anti-Semitic people. So he decides to take a tour of this place in an effort to provide himself with cover, not falling for it. But uh, if you choose to, it's absolutely fine. He says, a town that allegedly, this is according to Stop Zionist Hate, Elon Musk and Ben Shapiro are in Auschwitz, a town that allegedly witnessed genocide in the 20th century. Allegedly witnessed genocide. There is no faster way to let me know, as a human being, what your ultimate motive is when you say this kind of garbage. You cannot allow these kind of people to co-opt the conversation here. You can be frustrated about the situation in Gaza, much like this particular host is, as I watch that situation degrade into an awful place. But when you see that this is transpiring in Whitewater, Wisconsin, at UW-Whitewater, it feels so close to home, and we need to stick together, call this garbage out, Call it what it is, intentionally intentional misinformation and hate designed to separate us as opposed to us coalescing around a common goal here. But you're seeing these kind of bad actors pop up and it's such a shame to see it happen in our state. I'm not, I'm not claiming that there was anything that could have been done. I am not blaming UW-Whitewater for what happened. At the end of the day, this could have been eight people that had access to a projector or whatever technology they used to get that swastika up on the side of the building. What I do want to highlight, though, is this is not indicative of an entire protest movement. This is not indicative of an entire group of people. You need to be cognizant of what's going on here because it's stuff like this that is disgusting, has no place in society, but also most certainly is not representative of everybody who is sad, frustrated or angry about the situation the people of Palestine are going through today. That is my PSA for the day on this. You're going to see more coverage about this swastika out here. You're going to see people with, uh, within, in positions of power trying to demonize an entire movement uh, frustrated with what is going on overseas. Do not allow that to happen. Look at it through common sense lenses here. Call out the overt and obvious hate when you see it. But do not superimpose that hate onto people that are just anti-war, not anti-Semitic. We have a call coming through the Settlers Best Credit Union talking text lines. Hello, you're on Outside the Box.
2: Hey, Ben, what you're saying is absolutely right on. But you just reminded me of something. Remember the umbrella man during the Black Lives Matter protest who started the um, he started kicking the window in at the, like an auto place?
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah.
2: Yeah, you know, he was a member of some white supremacist group. You know, he's there pretending like he's in the Black Lives Matter group. People will infiltrate groups, and you mentioned the stop Zionist hate. These people are despicable.
1: Right, (laughs) right, that's just it. and,
2: and, and And, you know, you know how I felt about the campus stuff, the lack of free speech from the very beginning. So... For this, these kinds of things to continue, to, 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 you know, uh, words are one thing, actions are another that I detest. But I have to tell you something that happened at Columbia the other yeah, day. Yeah, what's up? They used two identified IDF soldiers who live in the United States sprayed these protesters with skunk spray. Several of them are in the hospital. But this is stuff that they use over in Israel against Palestinians. It smells like rotting corpses. It makes you sick. Nausea. You know what? I um, hadn't. Burning eyes.
1: I hadn't seen that story, but I did see a firsthand account. I thought a woman literally got sprayed by a skunk. You telling me this is making oh. it make so much more sense now as to what happened. I'm like, why? Oh, she was yeah. doing 48, yeah. 72 hours remained, and the the situation she found herself in there. So yeah, that uh. That very much. Uh, now now you've kind of shed some light on that there. I didn't realize that's what had yeah, going on there. Yeah, pretty
2: horrible. It's, 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 people need to stop. Yeah, that, that's just it.
1: Yeah, for sure. I hear you. I appreciate the call, Cynthia. And that's just it. Now you're seeing it happen in a town of 15,000 people, which, let's be real, let's be real, the mainstream will run with it. Oh, these small rural towns, of course you're going to see that kind of stuff. We're not going to let that kind of narrative develop here. We're going to call it the way we see it. Stick together. Do not blindly hate. Very important here. we got to get to break. Abortion when we come back. There comes a time, and I'll say this again on the other side, when the experts need to be traded like experts. I'll say more about what I mean about that on the other side of the break. This is Outside the Box with Ben Kamenos here on WHBY. We're back to Outside the Box here on WHBY. Um, Yesterday, we did a segment about the potential of a 14-week abortion ban, or not not ban, what should I say here, limit, like you can no longer get an abortion after the 14th week of conception, uh, being instituted here in Wisconsin. Republicans, legislative Republicans, want to put it to a referendum. Uh, Liberals are saying nah. (laughs) Uh, And back and forth we go uh, on, on that conversation there. Um, I did a segment yesterday highlighting, because that's the the Republican talking point now, as well, if Democrats are afraid of the will of the people, then I suppose we won't put it to referendum. We just thought the people should decide. And I decided that we should do that with every zombie situation that we find ourselves in, whether it's expanding access to badger care, legalizing marijuana, developing a uh, a uh, child care program. The list goes on and on. I said, "Okay, you want to put it because I'm so confident that every single one of these would pass via referendum, including shutting down a 14-week abortion ban. If they really want to put their money where their mouth is, by all means, by all means. I say Democrats should be calling them out on the bluff right now. Let's put it all at a referendum in April. Let's see what happens. Let's see what happens. Let's roll those dice. I'm willing to bet Team Common Sense comes out on top there. But uh, there was a hearing yesterday." Uh, where anybody was allowed to speak their mind about the uh, pros and cons of a 14-week abortion ban, how that'll impact you. Spoilers, if you're not pregnant, not at all, and you should maybe mind your business. But uh, people gave their opinions. Um, I have sound from a few of them, and we're going to kind of break down what each one of them uh, is getting into here. This first one is Wisconsin State Representative Barbara Dietrich of uh, Oconomowoc, Uh, She is asking questions of a med school student, so she is not a doctor just yet, although for any of you that have med students in your life, I would argue that you know that they know probably a lot more about medicine than me or you or anybody who doesn't have any type of medical uh, experience whatsoever. And keep in mind, you're listening to a guy who was pre-med in college. I took organic chemistry one and two. I took all the physics classes. I took all the biology classes and physiology classes. I have a cursory understanding of the anatomy and a couple of things that can go awry within the body. I most certainly am not an expert on the matter, and I will be the first one to acknowledge that when these kind of conversations arise. But that's just it. I acknowledge it. I acknowledge that I am not the expert in the room. I've never played professional football. I can have an idea of what teams need to do to get better. But nobody is going to have a more firm understanding of what it is that the team needs to do than the people who are with the team every single day. I don't think I'm saying anything uh, hyperbolic or over-the-top here when we have these kind of conversations. So I say that to set up this conversation. I don't have a name on the woman speaking. As I mentioned, she's definitely younger than I am. She uh, is a current med school student. Here is her thoughts on what it is a 14-week abortion ban bill would mean for the people of Wisconsin. And then listen to the reaction and, more importantly, the tone of the answer to her response.
2: I think people should be made aware of what the condition is, whatever the, the current condition is of them or their fetus, and have all of that laid out and be able to make the decision for what they want the next steps to be. Okay. That shouldn't be decided by a law or the general public or anything except themselves.
3: Okay, you know we have, have laws on like what can and can't happen with blood donations this is about abortion i i understand excuse me i'm the one who's asking the questions here so um with that being said i would say there's all sorts of laws regulating medicine and ethics and what you can and and can't do so um, i'll just leave it at that and um, Hope you get a better understanding of that before someone gives you a good degree.
1: So listen to her condescending to somebody who essentially said to her, there's no one size fits all approach to this conversation. It's between an individual, her family and the doctor. And then they make a decision based on the information provided to them. You know, who doesn't need any say in that conversation whatsoever, your local representative. I don't think I'm taking a bold declarative stance on this conversation here when we say this. So now I'm going to play another individual here. Uh, Matt Sandy, name provided, of uh, Pro-Life Wisconsin, obviously an advocate for uh, more abortion uh, legislation. Unfortunately, he goes entirely the other direction. So we're going to play that sound now, and then we're going to tie it all together for the last couple minutes here of the
4: segment. Let's defend this law. This is the legislature's law. This is your law. The legislature created this in 1849. It's a strong pro-life law. It bans abortion from conception. We're trying to tighten it up. It has good uh, criminal penalties. Um, it does exculpate the mother. Um, this is what we should be strongly defending. And again, I'll, I'll say that um, putting this bill forward um, does signal that the legislature's doubts about its lawfulness, and I don't think that's a good message to send. I think all of us should be standing strong Um, to defend this law and um, await the Supreme Court's ultimate decision. So I do plenty
1: of abortion segments on this show, and I take pride in the fact that there aren't a whole lot of people who look like me. This dude looks like me, and he says some pretty dumb stuff. (laughs) There's, There's not a lot of people who look like me who talk like I do. Why that is, I don't know. I'm, I'm not going to uh, I'm not I'm not going to be able to truly uh, uh, identify why that is. Um, far be it for me. I'm not. I am a psych major, but I'm not going to psychoanalyze this individual or anybody who's pro-choice. And you have the or excuse me, pro-life. And you have the right to be pro-life. I am not here to take that away from you. But every time I do one of these segments, I inevitably have a half a dozen emails in my inbox saying, Ben, You always say these extremist abortion views are going to cost Republicans in the ballot box. You always say that they're the ones putting abortion on the ballot. Isn't it Democrats putting abortion on the ballot? What about Democrats who want every exception for abortion all the way up until after the term? Why don't you ever call out those? You only ever seem to call out the extremes on the right. I mean this from the bottom of my heart, guys. I do a lot of research. I am aware of a lot of situations politically all over the country. Uh, I try my best to localize to Wisconsin as best I can, and sometimes we'll just venture out into other states around the country to highlight the similarities between what is happening there to what is happening here. I think it's a tremendous exercise. Provide me with one example of somebody saying, 45 minutes before the baby is expected to be born, that an abortion should be on the table. Find me one example, not of an 18-year-old college student who's yelling about something at a protest. And I'm not here to, uh, to minim- minimize what her opinions are either. But I'm saying what an 18-year-old student says is in no way indicative of the laws that are, that, that will be instituted. My problem is that the extreme, you heard that gentleman speaking right there. We had a great law in the books that banned it from conception and bringing up any kind of legislation that questions that will weaken the position of the original bill. There are people, the, the former challenger for governor was running on a complete and total ban. Both candidates for the Republican presidency, are bragging about, although Nikki Haley has kind of come a little bit more to the center, Donald Trump brags regularly that he's the one that ended Roe v. Wade. He's the one that did all these things. This is not my bias. Yes, I am pro-choice, and I I am proudly, I proudly wear that on my sleeve, that I think women, I'm not even pro-choice, I'm pro-woman's choice. I think the dude should have a say, but at the end of the day, it is the woman's body. Whatever happens, happens. There should probably be some laws about child support in regards to how people choose to do things. Convoluted conversation for another day. But what I, I am willing to look at the other side of this equation. Someone needs to provide me with an example of a powerful Democrat running on a no-holds-barred abortion all the time whenever you feel like it, even after the baby-has-been-born policy. Give me one example, because off the top of my head, I've provided you with five. I haven't even jumped into Ohio. They're trying to pass a law that, as a parent, if you drive your 10-year-old child across the border to a state where abortion is legal to get them an abortion, you can go to jail. So Ohio Republicans would rather a 10-year-old become a parent than allow the family to make these kinds of decisions. This is not my bias. This is not me making up information. This is the laws that they are proposing. And the reason I get so frustrated outside of the fact that it treats women like cattle is that it provides cover. To this day, Democrats are saying abortion access is on the ballot. I want to live in a world where they can't hide behind that. But the only way you take that off the table for Democrats is to stop with the crazy, over-the-top a scarlet letter Puritan garbage that is just like, we will ruin your life if you do not have this rape baby. It's remarkable to me that anybody thinks this is a viable solution. People will always show up in bigger numbers to prevent the removal of rights than to facilitate the removal of rights you will always tick more people off who do you think will show up to the polls more if there were a complete gun ban people who are advocates for gun control or people that are ticked off about the idea of gun control exactly you're doing the same thing here and until republicans can stop putting their finger in this bear trap they're gonna keep watching the same thing happen over and over again i gotta get to break we got plenty more to get into stay right where you're at this is outside the box on whby We're back to Outside the Box with Ben Cominose here on WHBY. Outside the Box is brought to you by Hooper Law Office, providing a pathway to your legacy. Jam-packed first hour that looks like it's going to spill a little bit into this hour here. Then we will get to what the next segment's about here. I got a text message from Sue saying the government has no business being involved in personal matters. I would totally agree She went on to tell me someone told her that they want young men at age 14 to have mandatory vasectomies only to be reversed when they are over 25 and prove they are financially and socially responsible. And I said, ah, great. Now I'm going to dwell on that comment for the next 24 hours because I won't lie. (laughs) I'm not going to say it. I'm not going to say it. Um, All right. Uh, I also received an email from a gentleman. He says my wife and I moved to the valley in the mid-90s. Six kids, we put them in a private school. We, by no means, were wealthy, and we sacrificed greatly in order to make that happen. You're making a huge assumption that wealthy families are the ones putting their kids in private schools. My concern is why should I have to use a bulk of my property taxes to pay for local public school district and then also have to dip into my personal finances to pay for the kids to go to private school? Because you're choosing to put them in private school. That's the difference. You're choosing to do that. It's not that somebody's making you do this. It's that you reflected, and I'm not judging you for making it. And I'll be fair, uh, Like I, I, re- I recognize parochial schools are a thing, and more often than not, the teachers at parochial schools are making way less than any of the teachers at any of the other kind of schools we're talking about here. I recognize that uh, you can't paint with a broad brush in any regard, but the fact remains, overwhelmingly, That this is a transfer of wealth to wealthy people. And if you did grind to get your six kids through and through a private institution like that right on much like myself, I chose to pay thirty eight thousand dollars a year as opposed to twenty two thousand dollars per year. Just so that when I told people the name of the college I went to in Western PA, they'd all go, oh, wow, it's a really good school. And then that's essentially what my double payment on my school got me. You know what I mean? There weren't any real benefits. I do not think that I am any more or less prepared to do this job than I would have been had I gone to a different college. You know what I mean? Maybe it provided me with some different insights because I got to see how the other half lives. Uh, There was a very high population of LGBTQ individuals on my campus, which has lent itself to me being much more comfortable around people that don't necessarily identify the same way I do, there might be intangible moments of growth that I have experienced as a result of going there. But from the actual financial uh, standpoint, do I truly feel like I benefited from going there? Not really, but it was my decision. And yeah, because I am a little bit of a BA, I paid off that massive student loan debt in about five years upon graduation. Plenty of my peers don't see themselves in a position to do it. I handled it. I'm not looking for handouts. I took care of my business. What I'm saying is if you choose to do this, if you choose to put your children through this, you should not expect other people to subsidize that decision. What keeps getting lost in all of this is Prior to a certain Republican president in the 80s, state funding for schools and federal funding for schools was provided in a way that kept school prices down for college. Those were rolled back. All people are looking for now is the capacity to get it back to the position that it used to be in with the use of federal dollars. If you choose to put your kids in private school because you think that gives them a better chance to excel and you can't afford it, Right on, but people should not be subsidizing your decisions when you have a viable option to educate your children right in front of you. If you choose to go a different route, that's on you. We've got a call coming through the Settlers Best Credit Union talking text lines. Hello, you're on outside the box.
0: Hey Ben, what's up, Jim? Back, Jim. Back, back to the abortion rights.
1: Yeah, what's up, man? One
0: thing I've never, one thing I've never understood: if a woman. Is 12 weeks pregnant, and dies by other means than self-inflicted, in other words, murder or a drunk driver or whatever, that person is charged with a double homicide. But you can have an abortion and not be charged with anything.
1: Yeah, I'll, be, I'll be honest, I find it strange. I find the first half of your sentence strange more so than the second. Um, I can't can't reconcile that in my head, Jim. I'll be real with you. I I don't necessarily know that I buy into the idea that you should be tried for double homicide, but I do recognize that what you're saying is accurate, for lack of a a better term. I don't get it. Part of me thinks it was instituted in a way to convince us that we should be thinking more along the lines of what you're thinking there. Uh, I've got nothing. There's no justification behind what you said. I can tell you that much for sure.
0: I've always wondered how we can be
1: double-sided. Exactly. Yeah, it seems like you get dinged from your perspective on the negative end of both sides there, and it is definitely uh, it is it is definitely peculiar to say the least, and definitely some good food for thought. I appreciate the call. Thanks. Thank you. We got another texter, first-time texter. I wish I had one of those those horns, like, bam, 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 bam. First-time texter. Uh, Trump should be happy about Roe v. Wade. Not because of the case itself, but because it gave power back to the states. Too much federal overreach and everything. Uh, So... First off, I do agree with you uh, from fe- uh, federal overreach perspective. I understand why that is viewed as a negative. It can be positive. I, I can think of situations on both sides of that spectrum, though. What I will say, though, is now that it's gone to states' rights, it's like people are bending over backwards to manipulate states' rights however they can. We essentially have had three elections on abortion already, just not literally on abortion it essentially was candidates who were like i want to do i want to do puritan stuff and other people were like you know maybe we should do 2020 stuff and uh and that was kind of the the the, the way it happened here now we're going to do a referendum i am a strong believer that referendum would pass because the people of wisconsin and this isn't me being a rock star this is real the people of wisconsin are very knowledgeable the number of people who are um, always aware of a political situation compared to where i'm coming from is absolutely remarkable it is it is absolutely remarkable to me so i don't think that this referendum will slide under the radar i think if this goes up for vote you will see record show up a uh, record numbers show up uh in the it uh in, in an effort to try and stop that from happening um So I do get where you're coming from here. I'm not the biggest federal overreach guy either, but at the same time, I am an advocate for some federal programs as long as they are instituted the right way. Look, and I don't have your name here, so I'm just going to call you listener. I apologize for the informal way you and I are interacting here. I do believe government can provide a number of solutions to the problems that it is we face. I don't believe This government will provide solutions to the problems that we face. And I don't mean a Joe Biden government because I don't think Republicans have the answer either. But I'm saying the current slate of people that we have have made it very clear they are here for their stock portfolios and themselves and not for benefiting society. I do get what you're saying there. Uh, Craig said something about boomer stuff. Okay. So I do want to jump into the, uh, conversation here about, um, I'm not going to do a full segment about this, but I did want to highlight this and even, I wish Jim, I hope you're still listening right now because this one's for you, bud, because I get made fun of from time to time for doing some sky is falling nonsense. Every time I talk about deepfakes, technology getting beyond the point where we are able to uh, really tell what is real and what is fake and so many other issues uh, that are arising as deepfake technology becomes more prevalent. I, on YouTube, have probably watched three dozen videos of Joe Biden and Donald Trump fighting over which Zelda game is the best one, because these are arguments that my friends and I had in the 90s when I was 10 years old. Clearly someone my age with a capacity to do deepfakes put these together, and it's very funny hearing Biden and Trump talk the way we used to in the nineties. So like there is a fun side to it. Don't get me wrong. But for those of you saying, Ben stop with the sky is falling stuff. I think we're way ahead of this. If you are not familiar yet, the new Hampshire primary is today. Most Democrats really don't care because Joe Biden is clearly going to get the nomination a because he's the incumbent and B because the DNC and media networks have done everything they can to pretend like there aren't other people running for the position. Um, Joe Biden did not enter himself into the New Hampshire primary. The DNC bent over backwards to try and find a way. They went as far as filing a cease and desist letter to the New Hampshire Democrats saying, do not do this primary. That's why you're seeing this write-in campaign start to happen now, and they want to make sure that Joe Biden gets over 50. There very conceivably is a chance that he will lose, not because he's not the most popular candidate there, because physically you have to write his name in, as opposed to actually voting for him on the ballot, because the national DNC did not think that this primary was happening. So, without further ado, here's a call from Joe Biden. Or is it?
5: We know the value of voting Democratic when our votes count. It's important that you save your vote for the November election. We'll need your help in electing Democrats up and down the ticket. Voting this Tuesday only enables the Republicans in their quest to elect Donald Trump again. Your vote makes a difference in November, not this Tuesday. If you would like to be removed from future calls, please press 2.
1: That wasn't Joe Biden. What you heard right there was a deep fake. What he was telling you was do not vote uh, today in the New Hampshire primary. Now, this will not impact Joe Biden's presidency whatsoever. Um, There's no worries about this. But let me ask you this. Who do you think sent that? Do you think that was a Democrat who created that, who wants to make sure no one goes and votes for Dean Phillips or Marianne Williamson? Do you think it was a Republican who wants to see how many people they can convince to stay home from something like this with something as simple as a uh, fake message with Joe Biden's voice? Is it an anarchist who just likes to watch the world burn? Wants to see if they can impact an election just from a fun little robocall that they decided they were going to create in an hour in their free time. What's terrifying about this is we're never going to know. That circulated all over the New Hampshire area. Let me ask you if a thousand people are impacted by this, is that election fraud? How many people do we know received this message? How many people bought it? If I didn't position that call in a way that allowed for you to know before I started playing the audio that it was a deep fake, would you even have questioned if it were Joe Biden? Here, I'll play the beginning part again. You tell me. You know this is fake. You're going into this knowing it's fake. Tell me you would know it's fake if I didn't tell you that.
5: We know the value of voting Democratic when our votes count. It's important that you save your vote for the November election. We'll need your help in electing Democrats up and down the ticket.
1: Sounds exactly like him to me. I have a feeling you're all probably thinking the exact same thing. This is going to blow up over the next 10 months. You guys can say I'm skies falling. If this is where the tech is right now, 2024 is going to be rife with this kind of garbage. Coming from all angles, this isn't going to be explicitly an anti-Joe Biden thing, but it's going to become a situation where the people watching the news now aren't going to know what's real and what's fake. And it's a terrifying reality that we find ourselves in. There should be strict penalties put in place right now. Bipartisan, both sides of the equation, saying, we're not standing for this. This is not funny. This is not helping democracy. This is not putting America in a better position. We will crack down on you. I don't know what have what means they would have to deal with people in China, Russia, Europe, other trolls all around the world who might engage in this kind of behavior, but we can definitely put America in a position where they are terrified to do something like this, wherein the penalty would be so strict that they would never consider doing it. I am not an advocate for steep penalties on anything. I tell you, how often have you guys heard me say it? It's the Aladdin te- uh, terminology. Gotta got to eat to live, gotta steal to eat. That's how we get along. I totally uh, understand what it is that, uh, uh, why people commit crimes like thievery or Grand Theft Auto or things like that. I understand it. I'm not I'm not saying I condone it. I'm not saying I advocate for it. But I can at least understand how we get there. This is just sowing the seeds of chaos. No one is going to need to do this in an effort to make sure that their family has food that evening. You know what I mean? There isn't going to be that kind of situation. There is only one intention with this kind of stuff. That is to throw people off. That is to create an aura of distrust around everyone. I promise you, Trump and Biden are going to do plenty to make you not trust them. They already have, and I promise it's going to continue as time goes on. They are two of the least likable candidates in presidential history. It should say something about our presidential process that no one likes either of these people, and they're going to be our two candidates. But the fact remains, we should not be adding to that confusion. And I'm telling you guys, something is going to hit. You're going to see a major news network fall for something, and that's going to be the final tipping point. People already don't trust the media. That's only going to get worse. Uh, Steve says, with uh, with AI voice generation, anything is possible, and it's really easy to create someone else's voice saying something to your own benefit. I absolutely believe this is a Republican thing. It, I, I hear what you're saying, Craig, or uh, excuse me, Steve. But uh, I, my, I guess my only pushback would be to what end? Do you, are you implying that this is a uh, this is a, a dry run for what could happen later, because to me, the Democrats have already tried multiple times to try and stop the New Hampshire primary from happening because they're the pro-democracy party. And I wouldn't put it past someone. They're trying to organize a, uh, a, uh, a movement right now to have Joe Biden as a write-in name. Uh, what's funny is, is that there's a counter movement to have Ceasefire as a write-in name. I'm really hoping ceasefire wins the election tonight, if you want me to be perfectly honest. But I don't know that I buy into the uh, the Republican logic here. I know that both sides are guilty of subterfuge. Um, but that's just me, though. Uh, all right. With that, we have one final full segment here. And I have two stories that I'm willing to bet I can find a way to tie in together. Uh, You're beginning to hear that um, uh, you're hearing on mainstream networks that Populism is the way of the future. A thing that one popular show in uh, Appleton, Wisconsin, has been saying for the better part of a year and a half, that the populist movement is what is going to be necessary to win elections going forward. Is Donald Trump corrupt? Yeah, obviously. Are most high-ranking politicians corrupt? Yeah, obviously. No one cares. We ignore the controversies when it's on our team, and we highlight them to no end when it is on the other team. What people care about is today. They care about the economy. They care about right now. Democrats telling their voters, shut up. Things are working. You're just too stupid to understand it is exactly how they will lose in 2024. Some people are catching on to that. You're hearing the narrative take shape in the mainstream, and now a bill has been proposed by the Biden administration to attack exactly what I have been saying for the last 18 months. Is it because they're listening? Who knows? We'll dive into the specifics of that bill. Plus, we have an update from Sean Fain, the person who led the union strike for the UAW for the Big Three, Tremendous news as far as I'm concerned, although it does put me in a precarious situation. We're going to try and tie both of these stories for our last full segment of Outside the Box today. Uh, Haley uh, Tenpass is not in. Nancy Mickey will be filling in. So, the final segment, we will be chatting with her a little bit about what she has coming up on the program. Still, plenty more to get to here in this last half hour outside the box right here on WHBY. woodward's next big deals auction is going on now with fox valley pool and spa on the auction block is an arctic plunge cold tub reduce muscle soreness improve recovery time decrease inflammation and improve circulation for a fraction of the cost online bidding is going on now head to whby.com and click the big deals button to place your bid fun 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 all around our new mystery texter from last segment was Dice Shaking Lamar, a regular uh, uh, interactor on Leo and Balky's show over on WSCO from 1 to 3. Shout out to you for joining the program here. Told him I was going to shout him out on the show. You know, I really don't talk about it enough, but every Tuesday at one uh, one forty, I do a segment with Leo and Balky over on the show. Technically, it's about sports, but very rarely is it ever about sports. We're going to, at some point today, get in a debate about whether or not diehard four and five are actually diehards or not. Spoilers, they're not. Uh, and I can, I can make a very good case for that. Uh, it's a very fun segment. I love doing it with those guys. If, uh, you haven't started listening, you should again, it's every Tuesday at one We go for about 20 minutes talking Packers, bucks, brewers, and whatever might be crossing our mind at that time. The one thing that never comes up is politics. It's a very, uh, it's a very, uh, lighthearted segment that I enjoy doing. And I appreciate that they have carved out some time for me on a regular basis to go ahead and do that. I, uh, I, uh, I don't know why, but they did it nevertheless. All right. So we're going to try and cram a whole bunch of information into this one here. So as I mentioned before the break, we are looking at a shift towards populism as the election moves forward here. Uh, I would argue that the shift toward populism has been going on since 2016. Hell, I'd even argue maybe 2010 with the Tea Party movement. I do not necessarily agree with every iteration of what populism has taken, but I do agree with the message. The system is broken. Our systems do not operate the way they used to anymore. There is no means in which you can, uh, I shouldn't say no, but it is far less likely for you to build anything that is substantial, that can be sustained In this economy compared to how it worked previously before a certain president took over. Um, With that, I would like to uh, highlight that, as you guys know, I'm a big corporate greed guy. I don't know if you knew this about me, but I can highlight. A number of different stats, throw them in front of your face, showing you exactly how wealth inequality has been allowed to progress across this country in a way that has absolutely handicapped the middle class. We did a segment yesterday, $2.5 trillion, trillion trillion with a T, per year for the last 40 years have been transferred from the bottom 99% to the 1%. To put those numbers into perspective for you, that is $1,000 per weekly paycheck. That is $1,000, roughly. I'm, I'm estimating. It's actually it's a little less than that. It's roughly $1,000 per weekly paycheck. I do segments on this show highlighting that two-thirds of Americans cannot afford a surprise $600 payment, and I'm saying that one extra paycheck, had the system been allowed to continue along the exact path it was on, would be able to cover those expenses. We talk about child care being provided by the government because it's a $12,000 cost. You would still have 40 more weeks of $1,000 extra per week had these things not been allowed to happen. We talk about running amok school costs. You can go down the list. The reason people like me have been forced into a position where we are looking for some kind of government solutions to these problems is because the government is who allowed us to get here. That is both Republican and Democrat. Hashtag uniparty. Hashtag open your eyes. So with that, Joe Biden has had has put together a piece of legislation called uh, that is called Together to Combat Corporate Greed and End Outrageous CEO Pay. Did I say Joe Biden? I meant Bernie Sanders. My bad, probably should have won in 2020. Bernie Sanders put together a bill here that addresses exactly what it is that we have been talking about on this show for a while now. Allow me to put it into perspective for you here. No one on this program is advocating that it is a, an intense skill to work in fast food. I worked in fast food. It's hard work. Work during a lunch or dinner rush when you have some clown yelling at you about how long it's taking when you haven't stopped moving for the last three hours, and you'll snap. And there are certain elements to working in fast food that if you haven't, you have no idea. You're speaking out of your butt. You couldn't possibly comprehend what it's like. I'm talking to you from firsthand experience. I'm not claiming that there are artisans working at McDonald's, Wendy's, and Burger King, but I'm also saying if you put 40 hours in, you should be able to sustain a life as a result of the profits that you are generating there. To that point, a typical McDonald's worker would have to work 1,200 years to earn one year's salary for the McDonald's CEO for what he was paid in 2022. In the 1970s, a point that I have highlighted multiple times on this show, but I'm going to read directly from the report or from the bill here to kind of highlight what it is. In the 1970s, CEOs of successful U.S. corporations received roughly 20 to 30 times the average pay of their company's middle class workers. The number I always use is from 1978. It was 36 to 1. 36 to 1 was CEO pay to employee pay. Anyone listening? who thinks CEOs cannot survive making 36 times what their workers are making, then how in the hell do you expect the workers to survive? That is a question you're going to need to reconcile with yourself. Today, in Joe Biden's America, the largest 350 U.S. publicly owned firms make close to 344 times what their average worker is making. So... In an effort to combat this, Bernie Sanders and a slew of other representatives, all Democrat, of course, uh, Bernie Sanders from Vermont, Elizabeth Warren from Massachusetts, Ed Markey from Massachusetts, Chris Van Hollen from Maryland, Barbara Lee from California, Rashida Tlaib from Michigan, introduced the Tax Excessive CEO Pay Act to take on corporate greed by raising taxes of companies who pay their top executives more than 50 times what the average uh, worker is making. I don't think this is a bold declarative statement. I'm going to read some of the text here. The entire bill is available. Again, anybody who wants more information about everything going on here, I am very happy to provide you uh, with the entire text of the bill if you're uh, if you're interested. I got a text here from Chris. I'll get to that in a second here, Chris. let me. I don't want to lose my train of thought here. Okay. Americans across the political spectrum are outraged by the extreme gaps between CEO and worker pay. According to a nationwide survey, the typical American would limit CEO pay to no more than six times what the average worker. 62% of Americans agreed to that. 62% of Republicans. 75% of Democrats favor capping CEO pay relative to worker pay. I'm going to continue a quote here. This is directly from Sanders. The American people understand that today we are moving toward an oligarchic form of society where the very rich do phenomenally well and working class families continue to struggle to put a roof over their heads, feed their families and provide basic necessities in life. The American people are sick and tired of CEOs making nearly 350 times more than their average employees while over 60% of Americans live paycheck to paycheck. I know I've heard this message somewhere before at a, massive, at a time of massive income and wealth inequality. The American people are demanding that large, profitable corporations pay their fair share in taxes and treat their employees with the dignity and respect they deserve. That is what this legislation begins to do. So in essence, what they would do is they would cap CEO pay to 50 times the median worker at a business Um, if it goes above that. Tax penalties would begin at 0.5 percentage points for companies that pay their top executives between 50 and 100 times more than typical workers. It can go up from there. If this bill were instituted, given what massive corporations around the country have been paying their CEOs, Walmart would have paid $754 million more in taxes. Google would have paid $3 billion more in taxes. Home Depot, $840 million. JP Morgan, $1.04 billion. Nike, $233 million. McDonald's, $92 million. This would be the penalty for capping CEO pay. This does not address all the issues. This does nothing about stock buybacks. There will still be plenty of issues uh, encompassed in this decision here. That being said this is a step in the right direction i kind of wish i heard people talking this way earlier it's a shame that you don't hear this kind of rhetoric coming from the candidate that was billed to me as the most progressive president since fdr i feel like that person was running but it looks like the dnc got in his way from actually making any kind of meaningful change we got a call in the settler's best credit union talking text lines 920 281 hello you're on outside the box
0: good morning ben What's it's up, gary, gary calling say I think a lot of people misunderstood what that trickle down was going to be i I think they figured they'd get maybe not a large piece of the pie but at least a little bit and uh I think they got misled. They actually got flushed down the toilet is what happened they didn't get there was not trickle down it was flushed down the toilet and and the other thing um you failed to mention this but but I think it makes a big difference on the uh on the uh uh private equity groups and the private uh, uh, investment groups that's another factor that's really changed the economy
1: oh for sure yeah there's a, there's there's a number of factors and we've even talked about gary on this show people talk about increased spending mm-hmm. resulting in deficits and things like that the number one cause behind america uh uh, finances being in the red right now is exactly what you're talking about, this trickle-down. Had we not done the 2003 and 2017 bouts, I would argue which did not benefit middle America at all, uh, we would be operating in the black if not the green right now, and instead we target programs like Social Security, Medicare, free college, child care, all these things, say none of these are affordable just so we can keep doing trickle-down. It's laughable. i, I like... And so demonstrably and provably false, I don't know how it's been allowed to survive for as long as it has. You know?
0: Yeah, you can't you can't live on twenty five bucks an hour. You know?
1: That's that's what's so. wild. Yeah, I appreciate the call, Gary. I, I believe it was Betsy who she and I were talking about minimum wage, and she was talking about we're at fifteen dollars an hour. And I told her at that point, and I've been saying it since then. Realistically, if you're making less than twenty two dollars an hour, I don't know how you make it happen in America this day and age. Um, I couldn't, and for the record, I'm coming from a place where I was barely making half of that. So I'm telling you from firsthand experience, I do not know how you make it work in that situation. We got another call coming through the settlers' best credit union talking text lines. Hello, you're an outside the box.
4: Hey Craig,
5: how you doing? Bud?
1: All right, what's going on, man?
5: Another segment of boomer versus Backy pants Yeah. Uh, so, so let's get this straight. You actually believe that a person flipping hamburgers should be able to afford a house, car, and raise kids on a hamburger salary? Why yes. would anybody even educate yourselves?
1: Well, is, isn't the whole claim? I mean, if you want, if you want to do something more than flip burgers, and I'm not saying that in a derogatory way of anybody that cooks or does anything like that full term, but I mean, well, I am. I'm
5: saying it in a derogatory way. You educate yourself. You don't have to flip burgers, and you can make a living. Pick up a shovel.
1: Okay, so you're saying then that you want indentured servitude. This is the Craig from West Virginia platform. People should be living to not act, should be working full time, but not have the capacity to sustain a life. Craig,
5: 2028. A burger, a, a burger flipper was never meant to be a person raising a family. It was Says a who? In Says, who? Says who? Afterwards.
1: Says who? Says it, who? It's...
5: And there, here's what kills me the most, is that you say that Bernie Sanders is the big savior. As I told you 10,000 times, he passed one bill in 30 years, and, and Vermont is the fifth highest insurance in the nation. He can't even fix the insurance in Vermont, yet you think he can fix it across the country.
1: So your game plan here, Craig, is to call the show of the guy who says Democrats and Republicans are two sides of the same coin blatantly servicing their wealthy overlords and your comeback to that is the one guy who has been proposing bills that spits in the face of that ideology that can't get anything passed that that is a, that is an example of why he doesn't belong in the system and not an indictment on a blatantly broken system in which your girlfriend nancy pelosi and the man you can't stand the most mitch mcconnell are both as equally as corrupt as one another both preventing these kind of legislation so do you think you're proving a real point by saying he can't get bills passed
5: Listen, you, as I told you, it's 75 times in, in, in text messages. You are doing exactly what Donald Trump does. and you. Okay. Yeah, that's enough of that.
1: All right. So that's just it. He doesn't want to deal in reality. And so to that point, now that Craig wasted his call, it was perfect timing. We only have a couple minutes left here. I didn't expect the call to go as fast as it was. But again, just to highlight, this is a 0.5% penalty on anybody paying their CEOs more than 50 times what their employees are making. I gave you guys the McDonald's stats already. There's a company called Live Nation. An employee working at Live Nation would have to work 5,414 years to earn one year's salary of the CEO of Live Nation. Eventually, you gotta call a spade a spade. And I cannot stress enough here before I get to this last part. Craig and I are buds. I'm not hating on him here. But the idea that certain jobs do not deserve a living wage is a classist myth. It is designed for people that are barely making it to look down on people and say, these people are even less than me. There is no such thing as a job that works for 40 hours that does not dictate making enough money to own a building, to buy food, to own a car. That is not a thing. That is a myth designed to separate us. I realize it's from an old school perspective here. I'm here to shatter that. Reaganomics did nothing for anyone listening to me right now. If you're not listening to me with $10 million in the bank account, you did not benefit from this. That is not my opinion. That is an objective fact any strife that you went through was probably caused by one of the half dozen bills that we talk about that were rolled back specifically designed to help the middle class that no longer exist, that don't even get brought up anymore. And with that, we're at least going to play the sound today. It looks as though we're not going to be able to jump into this in any kind of meaningful way today, but this will get me excited. I'm at the very least going to provide you guys with this. This is a clip of Sean Fain talking here. He's talking about what his game plans are. If you aren't, if you aren't uh, familiar with it already, um, most other countries have general strikes. If one company goes on strike, there's uh, plenty other will walk out right with them. Plenty of countries operate that way. Listen to what he's calling for here in the uh, as a result of his win with the UAW.
4: We set a new contract deadline for May the 1st, 2028, May Day, International Solidarity Day. We did this for two reasons. I've always thought in my walk as a union rep that September was the worst time in the world to be going out on strike because sales start lagging when we get into the winter months may made a hell of a lot more sense. But it also made sense to do it in a unified approach. We got to get back to the days. We got to pay for our sins of the past. Back in 1980, when Reagan at the time fired the PAC co-workers, everyone in this country should have stood up and walked the hell out. We missed the opportunity then, but we're not going to miss it in 2028. That's the plan. We want a general strike. We want everybody walking out just like they do in other countries.
1: Ooh, I'm getting excited. I don't know about anybody else. We'll jump into that more a little bit tomorrow. We got Nancy Mickey coming up in just a little bit here. I'm super late. We're going to roll out. This is Outside the Box on WHBY. All right, and we're back for one final segment of Outside the Box with Ben Comanos here on WHBY. Uh, Chris hopped on the text line and said, just tuned in, but I'm not voting this election because your vote doesn't matter. A lot of people feel that way, man. I do think voting is important, but it's worth getting to. Brian says, wow, full-on meltdown from Craig. Nationwide, full-on walkout. Oh, the powers that be would be terrified. And Jeff popped on. The day we get to the point as a society where we no longer look down on people who are busting their humps working to prepare the food we eat in the best way possible, progress will have been made. I cannot agree any more with what you just said right there. I definitely appreciate the sentiment and the outreach, guys. Always good to hear from you as the show rolls on. Feel free to email me after the show wraps up. Download that WHBY at Heating needing air conditioning. With that, Nancy Mickey <laughs> on the uh, on the other side of the table from me. What's going on, Nancy? Do
3: I have to talk in that fast voice? Yeah, <laughs>
1: exactly. Yeah, right. See, most people have to use like an audio editor to, to squeeze the the little little thing at the end there, but I can just do it if you really need me to there.
3: Yeah, I used to do do a lot of PSAs, and you know now they speed it up for you yes. that you're doing the commercial. Yeah, but I used to do it where you had to do it really fast. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. yeah, you
1: see, I wouldn't have survived in that <laughs> era because I uh, I trip over my words way too often. The amount of uh, 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 people anticipate me getting stuck on my words on the show <laughs> that that's part of the charm, I suppose. How's life? I haven't seen you in a while. Life is good. Life yeah. is
3: good. It was great holidays. It's been a good month and lots of stuff going on. Yeah, So it's been good. Yeah,
1: fantastic stuff there. I'll tell you what, uh, I'm not great at time management. So why don't we start with the show and then I will go from there.
3: uh, You know, the fact that that you're hearing my voice, I'm guest hosting today for Haley for Focus Fox Valley. And she's got a full show lined up. We're going to have lots of fun. Great guests. Jeff Ruffing is going to be on uh, from Ruffing Automotive. We're going to be talking about weather and safety. And boy, that's really appropriate right now. And then in the 11.30 um, segment, we're going to be talking about the Forget-Me-Not Fund, which is um, a very interesting coalition in Brown County. And we're going to be talking about two of the people that are on their board and how they're trying to make uh, the whole Brown County area more dementia-friendly. And at noon, we're going to be talking with Greg Thompson, who is the event organizer of American English, that's the MAC Fund Benefit Concert, fun fun concert they are a beatles band oh. and it's great and and greg has been organizing this for over 20 years and it's his brainchild. It's his It's his thing. And so he's joining us, and he's going to be talking about that. And then we're going to wrap up the show for the last segment talking with our friends at Christine Ann Domestic Abuse Programs. They have their Men Who Cook event coming up. It is a lot of fun. Our own Jonathan Krause is one of the men who cook.
1: I'm tagging along. Oh, are you? I've never cooked. Are <laughs> you helping him cook? Yeah, nope, nope. I'm just, I'm a pretty face, and I'm the hands. I help hand the plates out. Okay, yeah. well, that'll be fun. I, it's
3: a great event.
1: I'm very excited to be a part of it. Uh, BJ DeGroat made the joke, and I will second it now on the air. He said, be ready for about 15 minutes of conversation with every plate that is handed out. And I was like, <laughs> yeah, no, I uh, I can definitely, I stand by that statement. That almost certainly will be the situation. But it sounds like a great event, definitely a great cause. Very excited to be yeah, a part of it. Yeah, it's
3: their big fundraiser of the year, and they do it upright. And it's a, a, a great way for folks to try lots of different things the um, the amount of food you and the variety is wonderful. I lost you. <laughs> <laughs> you lost me again. Oh, that's right. Oh, sorry. <laughs> yeah. Oh, gee, I knew that about you. I was so cover. excited. <laughs> I was so
1: excited and now now I'm just completely turned oh, off by the situation. Yeah, we again. all know that yeah. trying
3: new foods is maybe not Ben's favorite yeah. thing.
1: Um, you know, I, I, I want to go back to something else you have going to the 12 o'clock hour there. You know, one of the first events I ever did with my coworkers, they invited me out. I don't remember the name of the band, but it was another. It might be the same one. But it was a Beatles cover band They did it for an entire show at the PAC It's a packed room People were so into it. People, when you do it right, and you would just uh, write on a sheet of paper, I want to see this song. And there were people doing these obscure ones that were coming out of the blue. They would just play whatever you wanted. So people really get into that. So it yeah, sounds fun. Yeah, the
3: Beatles are fun. Everybody loves the Beatles. Oh, Old, they transcend. Old, in yes. between. We all know the words. It's a great night. And Greg talks about the fact that people love to get up and dance in the aisles. They just don't like it. Some people don't like it if you dance in front of the band. But it is, it's a fun event. And and for a wonderful cause.
1: Yes, exactly. I absolutely love the sound of that. There, when I first started learning to play bass, that's I got that as a gift. It was a book of all the bass lines of, of the Beatles. So I can play just about every single one of them. <laughs> there you go. Just because of that book. <laughs> but uh yeah, it made me fall in love. That's Nancy Mickey. She'll be on in just like four minutes. So thanks a lot, Nancy. Thank you, Ben. All right, good stuff. And that's gonna do it for the show today. As you heard me saying in a very fast manner just a moment ago, make sure you download the WHBY app powered by Christians in mm-hmm. heating and air conditioning. All you gotta do is Search WHBY in Google Play or the App Store. Covered a lot of ground today. Didn't even get to squeeze all of it in. We'll do it again tomorrow. This is Outside the Box with Ben Cominos.